Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sunup. The Daily Sunup podcast is a conversation with the Colorado Sun. See our trust indicators at coloradosun.com slash ethics. It's Monday, February 12th. Today, Sun Outdoors reporter Jason Blevins breaks down the recent sale of Arapaho Basin Ski Area and what it could mean for some of Colorado's other independent ski areas. Before we begin, Colorado Sun News may be free, but it is not free to produce, thanks to our members who make our journalism possible. This week only, first-time members can join us with a special 20% off introductory rate for select membership packages. Visit coloradosun.com save20 for more details. Again, that's coloradosun.com save, S-A-V-E, 20, T-W-E-N-T-Y. Members power the sun, and we are grateful for your support. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. On this day, 1933, Vern Sankey and Gordon Alcorn kidnapped Charles Betcher II, a Colorado tycoon in Denver, and demanded a $60,000 ransom. After holding Betcher captive in a South Dakota ranch basement for two weeks, they released him upon receiving the ransom. Despite an escape to Chicago, the FBI captured Sankey, who later committed suicide, and Alcorn, who received a life sentence but was paroled in 1949 with Betcher's support. The incident led to Colorado making kidnapping for ransom a capital offense. Before we continue, the Colorado Sun has virtual and in-person events all year long. Join conversations on politics, healthcare, the environment, transportation, education, and much more. Sign up for the free events monthly email so you can be the first in line for registration. Visit coloradosun.com slash events today. Next, our feature story. Hey, happy Monday, Sun Up listeners. I'm David Kraus, one of the editors here at The Sun. And it's our Monday session with Sun Outdoors reporter Jason Blevins. Hey, JB, what's happening, brother? Doing well, DK. Doing real well. Hey, uh, real quick, you have been uh, all over the state in the past, what, week and a half or so. Tell people real quick uh, what you charted and kind of some of the quick things you did around Yep, uh, ran down to Crescent Butte, sat in for the Blitzer Summit, hosted a panel down there. It was super interesting on uh, how outdoor recreation advocates can uh, get into political action. Spoke with uh, Carolyn Gleick, Caroline Gleick, a uh, world-renowned mountaineer out of Utah that is running for Mitt Romney's Senate seat. Um, she is uh, determined um, and determined to bring some lessons of the outdoors into uh Modern politics, she's young, vibrant, and exciting candidate. I urge you to check her out. Um, then dashed over to Silverton Mountain. Got to spend a couple days with the new owners down there. Caught a 30-plus-inch storm cycle um, with the group First Ascents, and it was a private takeover of the ski area, and it was all time down there. That mountain rarely skis better than it is right now, and it was just beautiful. I've been skiing Silverton Mountain since... The previous owner, Aaron Brill, was living in a UPS truck at the bottom in the late 1990s. Um, and uh, that new ownership has injected a lot of new energy. And we'll have a story on that soon. Don't want to spoil it. But uh, very interesting uh, plans unfolding and, and just a, a great ski area down there. And then, uh, yeah, got trapped down there. Had passes closed. Had to spend a little extra time, which is not a bad place to get stuck. But not a bad place. He didn't try to pull the Matt Barrett Millberry and uh, 
make yeah. a survival off the ledge. That was a great podcast last week. We were a lot of people listened in. So yeah, great stuff. Yeah. If you haven't heard it, I was up there at Soden, got to ski with him and, um, you know, he's just a beautiful human. And that was, uh, I love to, I love spend time with him and the idea that we can learn from all our adventures, both good and bad is, uh, something that I hope resonated quite loudly in that, in that podcast. Sure did. It resonated with me quite a bit. Hey, all right. So let's get to it. Main topic of the day, the big thing in the ski industry last week, Jason, the sale of Arapahoe Basin, the legend goes to Altera. JB, surprised? Were you expecting yeah. something like this? Did you see it yeah. coming? Uh, kind of walk us through what how that played out. Um. Yeah, very surprised. They they did a commendable job of keeping that one quiet. I I have to say, I think you know, I think even some of the very high up brass in Arapahoe Basin are a little bit of surprise to to hear that. Um, and I I got a chance to speak with Alan Hensrock. He's been the chief operating officer there at A Basin for 19 years. Started in uh, had a ski patrol in the late 80s. Um, really has shaped the culture and vibe there. And and the reason it was so surprising is that Dream Unlimited, this Canadian sort of real real estate investment firm, they were making a lot of money in Harappa Basin. They have to report a lot of their revenues and earnings. And, you know, they were generating north of 40 million bucks a year out of there and, and getting a good 12, 13 million out of that as profit and earnings. Um, very successful skier and, you know, not necessarily something that, you'd want to sell. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm sure Altera's offer was good. And Altera, they've been, uh, A-Base has been on Altera's Icon Pass since 2020 after it um, suddenly left the Epic Pass, which was unlimited. But A-Base has been, you know, seven days on the Icon Pass, full Icon. So not unlimited access. And that's one of the questions I was asking, you know, Alan, how that might come about. But yes, very surprising it is not um it was not expected and good for altera um i think there's a little bit of concern on the ground out there in some accounting because uh, a basin has always been sort of the leader of independent resorts in colorado in terms of you know unaffiliated how it might partner with some of these you know altera available resorts how it might work with other resorts how it might manage you know some of the booming traffic we're seeing after a couple record seasons with skiers in colorado and the u.s so um it's going to be interesting to see how Altera incorporates that independence and that fierce independence at, at Arapo Basin into its uh, overarching corporate strategy of now 18 destinations. Thank hey, you. Jason, you and I have talked about this before after the Altera, some of the Altera stuff. Um, you and I have watched it as it's grown um, from the mountains here. That business model that they have, do you see big changes coming at, at a basin or how do you see this kind of rollout happening? Um, Altera has proven amenable to adjusting its icon pass access. There's a lot of fine print in the icon pass contract. When you buy that thing, certain resorts require reservations, certain resorts, limit numbers, five days, seven days. Um, you know, and you, and you got to book it even, even some of their wholly owned resorts. Um, Crystal Mountain in Washington, for example, limits to seven days. Deer Valley, perhaps the crown in the Altera Mountain Jewel, um, requires reservations for Icon Pass holders. And um, they let their own resorts sell their own access pass. A Deer Valley Pass is $3,500, $3,600. Uh, 
um, the owners of Aspen Skiing Co., which um, are also owners of Altera Mountain Co., they obviously sell their own bass, you know, for the four Roaring Fork Valley ski areas. So Altera works with its resorts and its partners to to fine tune um, access, whereas Vail Resorts is more of a simpler plant. The Epic Pass, you buy an Epic Pass, you can go whatever Vail Resorts hill you want, ski as much as you want. Um, you know, their partners have certain deals, say, tell you, you need a reservation, but it's still, it's an interesting dynamic in terms of how you might, um, how this might unfold. But I did talk to Alan Hensroth and Alan seems very unlikely that we will see an unlimited icon pass access, access at Arapaho Basin. You do not, you're not allowed. I don't, I don't think they're just going to go full access with that icon. Um, I think we'll, they'll probably stick with those seven days. Still, you know, they're not going to talk about that until this deal closes. Um, and they're, they're still kind of hammering out the details, but Altera does allow its resorts to operate in a very independent manner, which is, um, maybe a different sort of business model than what you see at the resorts where, you know, they, they bring in these scales of efficiency and they bring, you know, sort of the pot, you know, main headquarters down there. Broomfield handles a lot of marketing, human resources and things like that. Whereas, uh, Altera's strategy is to more let each resort stand on its own and obviously, you know, provide an investment vehicle and that sort of thing as an, as owner, but still, um, Two different, very, very different strategies. And I think uh, still Alan said he's heard from a few locals that were, you know, quite proud of the fierce independence of Rappo Basin. And uh, there is a lot of concern on the ground there, you know, in terms of maybe what this might look like as the Altera ownership model unfolds atop Arapaho Basin. You know, I was going through um, after as we worked on that story last Monday, the history of uh, a basin is just so incredible. You know, uh, if you haven't, I encourage people just go check out their about us page. But you know, they opened in 1946 at Camp Hill. Veteran Larry Jump, twenty five thousand dollars first year is how they opened it, and then they had twelve hundred people. After the first year, they were forty five thousand dollars in debt. But you know, Larry Jump just kept going and kept at it, and now you see it turn around like that. And and so let's spin it forward a little bit, Jason. You mentioned you were down in Silverton with the new owners. Um, Echo Mountain is sold. Um, you know, we've seen a couple other sales in the past decade or so, you know, Purgatory, um, Powderhorn by the Gart Brothers and Andy Daly in 2018. Do you see, Jason, does this signal any other kind of big sale out there where are we at with like you know bob nichols over at monarch and you know um the history of at loveland you know what do you what do you see going forward on some of our smaller places um ski cooper what owned by the county still right so yeah. what do you see um you know there there's obviously arapa basin and vale resorts are, are, are quite interested in incorporating um ski areas Vale has proven to really like ski areas that are near urban areas. Um, they like that drive up traffic. Um, they're not necessarily looking for remote, remote rural um, ski hills. Altera, you know, has quite a few resorts to go to match the stable that Vale Resorts has. But, you know, the whole idea is that the more resources they have, the more better appeal of their grant of their passes, their overarching pass, right? The Icon Pass and the Epic Pass. So 
you know, adding new smaller hills can add to that appeal. Um, but then again, same with a basin. I speak with, you know, folks down in Monarch. I speak with folks at Sunlight and, you know, Powderhorn and they're doing well. They're not, they're not necessarily struggling. And that's one of the most interesting things about the a basin sales that, you know, say five years ago when the, when Icon and Epic launched, there was a lot of, you know, hand wringing and brow wiping that, oh my gosh, the independent resorts are going to, lose out in this scenario as these two conglomerates consolidate bring more resorts into their stable the indies just don't have a path forward they are going to be vacuumed up and part of this grand corporate consolidating machine to where all the resorts will be eventually altera or or their resorts and you know it'll only be a handful of billionaires that, that you know differentiate and refuse to sell but in fact we've not seen a lot of that struggle. We have seen quite a bit of independent resort success. They are seeing traffic. They are seeing higher yields. They're getting more revenue. And that is proving that there's this idea in skiing, in the ski culture, that maybe skiers don't necessarily want to go to those big hills and deal with a you know $25 parking and $25 hamburgers and all that stuff. Maybe they're the appeal of the Coopers and the Monarchs and the Powderhorns and the Sunlights Ski Granby Ranch and the Loveland and the A Basin will always be there. And it's, it, you know, people take pride in that kind of local home hill um, identity. And that's, I think that's what we've seen. And that, that's one of the more surprising aspects of this consolidating industry is the success and vitality of these smaller independent resorts. Um, so if somebody does sell, it's going to be because a giant price came at them. And, you know, the investors are like, we can't say no to this, you know, resorts typically sell for a certain multiple of their earnings. And if you come in at 2X, 3X that number, um, you know, eight to 10 times earnings, then it, it's hard to say no, right? This is sort of a golden age in, in resort business. Altera just secured a new funding stream, some $3 billion. So they've got money to spend. Everybody's shopping around. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily look at some of these smaller resorts. I would look at, you know, Major league investors. Will Lewis Bacon down at Talos eventually sell? Will um, you know the Sinclair Oil Fortune family sell Snow Basin in Sun Valley? Will uh, you know the Upham family in Texas-based Upham Chester Upham Hill, which is on Loveland since 1972? I don't know. You know, depends on what these offers are. Obviously, this is sort of mirroring maybe the the ranch expansion that we saw in Colorado, and all of a sudden, all these folks. Would, incredible amounts of money you're pulling up to the gates and driveways of these ranch owners and asking the kids hey do you want millions and millions of dollars for your ranch land and maybe they watch their dad grind it out at five o'clock in the morning for 50 years and they're saying yes i do want that truckload of money so who knows the offers are coming in you know everybody always says they're going to expand bell resort seems to be really keen on europe right now um so Maybe that's where they'll go, but um, it's a, it's an interesting time and truly one of the most interesting times to ever be in the ski industry. And it's been, you know, a true privilege to cover it for the past almost 30 years now. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, you know, the way you just can rattle stuff off like that, I just appreciate, you know, the volume and the places you go to. I remember, you know, remember the gem card when it came out and... It's still around, and that was like, oh, man, are we going to lose the gym card? And that thing is still going. You know, I did Ski Cooper a couple weekends ago, and 
I'm basing out of Monarch now. And last weekend I popped over to Snowmass to see some of my friends. And you're right. You know, you, you know, those passes over there now are a couple of grand. And the biggest difference is you get a little longer run it, but you're paying $12 instead of 25 bucks for a cheeseburger. And, you know, maybe a $4 PBR instead of a $10 microbrew is the difference there. But I, I just still think it's interesting that these uh, smaller places have survived. And, and Jason, do you just think, like you kind of mentioned, but you just think sometimes people just get overwhelmed with the Vales and the Brex yeah. and the Aspen Mountains and the snow mass and all that? Is, is that the key to hopeful survival for these places? Well, not just surviving, but they're thriving. And yeah, you know, I think when you hear a lot about crowding at ski resorts, you, it, if you push down and dive into that, drill down into crowding it's about cars um and some of these smaller communities are really struggling with the amount of cars that are coming into them every you know saturday mm -hmm. um, and that is a real concern and i think what you know as resorts sort of grapple and these passes continue to sell by the multi-millions um in terms of units you know i think we're gonna see changes in how we manage cars, you know, and you, you may have unlimited access to the ski hill, but you need a parking permit. You know, you need a reservation to put a car up there or you need to take the bus or in Little Cottonwood Canyon, Utah, maybe the gun. So I'm, I think we're going to see changes in how we manage parking in the industry, how these communities work with resort operators to manage cars. And I think that's going to be kind of the future of, of, this past growth in this consolidation that we'll see. But again, if someone's sick and tired of a busy, cra crazy day at the, you know, a Vale or a Breckenridge, then, you know, it sure is nice to go take a break and, you know, ski a Cooper or a Sunlight or, you know, and that's a great ski experience. These are great skills. Silverton Mountain is a one of a kind skill. Um, so I think there's a lot of room and opportunities in this for independent resource, not just to survive, but to thrive. Yeah, it's funny you say that. My oldest works at Sunlight Mountain, and I thought after three or four seasons he'd want to go to a bigger place, but he's still loving it there. You know, five year. I think this is his fifth winter to work there, and and he's still loving the vibe. And that's you know, I think you mentioned earlier, and right, that's the vibe that people want sometimes. Yeah, and if they could sell their own pass, you know, your own Sunlight Pass, your own Arapaho Basin Pass, your own Aspen Pass, you know, that'll give those resort operators more revenue to support you know career type opportunities for you know their workers and not just 20 bucks an hour but work up to 50 bucks an hour and have your employees be able to afford a, a home in that community so it's you know i think there's a lot of options and a lot of room in there as skiers sort of you know it's it's all on the backs of skiers buying passes and if if you're maybe weary of the icon epic scenario maybe you're starting to look at a Loveland Pass or Apo Basin Pass, you know, one of these other passes that are, um, you know, sort of limit your access, but maybe it's kind of fun to ski one hill or two hills for the, you know, for an entire season. I certainly enjoy that. Yeah. Hey, we could uh, go on all day about this, right? But we better cut it off there. Uh, want to thank everybody for sticking with us, tuning in. If you want to read more about the outdoors, the A-Basin sale, you can go to coloradosun.com and Click on the Outdoors pay, uh, tab at the top of the page. You can also sign up for Jason's weekly Outsider newsletter. You can do that at coloradosun.com. 
slash outsider. And I always want to like to remind people we are part of the Trust Project. We want to earn your trust and our members of that project. You can check out our ethics policy at coloradosun.com slash ethics. Jason, I'm glad you're home safe after all the hundreds of miles. And uh, let's catch up uh, sometime this week, eh? Yeah, DK, thanks. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. Ballots go out today for the presidential primary, listing options from former Republican President Donald Trump on the GOP ballot to non-committed delegate on the Democratic ballot. But votes for some of the candidates might not count. Four of the seven Republican presidential candidates have withdrawn. And the U.S. Supreme Court could rule that Trump isn't eligible for Colorado's ballot because of his attempts to overturn the 2020 election. And those who want to participate in caucuses next month face deadlines this week. The Sun Politics team has what you need to know at coloradosun.com. Two controversial statues that came down during racial justice protests in downtown Denver in 2020 will not return to the Civic Center area. Officials have decided not to reinstall a statue dedicated to fur trapper and soldier Kit Carson, who worked closely with native tribes but also carried out orders in the 1860s to kill members of numerous tribes. City crews removed the piece from the top of Pioneer Monument, a large fountain at Colfax and Broadway. The removal came the day after demonstrators toppled a large sculpture commemorating Christopher Columbus in Civic Center Park. Colorado has the second strongest law in the U.S. that protects consumer privacy and data. But according to a new report card from a consumer public interest group, the state only scored a mere C-plus for its efforts. Though it has initiated consumer-friendly rules, such as one that will let Coloradans press a button to opt out of having their personal data collected and sold online starting in July, the state's protections could be much stronger. That's according to the director of the Don't Sell My Data campaign for the U.S. Public Interest Research Group. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. Now, a quick message from our team. I'm Laura Wynott, Director of Membership at the Colorado Sun. I came to work at the Sun because quality, trustworthy journalism is important. As a reader and listener, I find the Sun to be a breath of fresh air. The journalists tell Colorado stories that keep me informed, entertained, and engaged. If you also trust the Sun for your news, join me as a member at coloradosun.com join. Your support helps to bring you and other Coloradans the news you deserve. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you.